Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2015 Men's Advance. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Well, it's been my pleasure to be here. I have uh, all my notes uh, from all the speakers, from Greg and from uh, Andrew, and I am I'm blessed uh, to be here. And I want to thank Andrew and the entire staff of CBC, uh, Daniel, all the Ministry of Helps, everybody that has made this such a wonderful conference. You know, these things don't just happen. Uh, there's planning, there's work, uh, all the staff, the Ministry of Helps, uh, the video, everybody that's participated. Uh, it, it really is uh, a blessing to be uh, a part of this. And I hope you will appreciate it. I've been to a lot of men's conferences uh, but I'll have to say, this is probably one of the best that I've ever been to. And I'd like for us to just give uh, an appreciation, applause to all the staff and everybody that's worked to make this a success. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Amen. These men appreciate it. They're not ungrateful. They're grateful. They're appreciative. How many of you are here today? You know, Brother Summerall used to tell us there's three kinds of people in the world. People that make things happen, people that watch things happen, and people that don't know what's happening. <laughs> but I believe you're the first bunch. You're going to make things happen. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 16. Can anybody quote that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This morning's session, I want to minister to you, as I said yesterday, the key to becoming the manner of man that God intended for you to be. There's one ingredient that is required in all the teaching that you've heard all this weekend, uh, all fits together under this one banner of the distinguishing mark of Jesus's ministry and what made Jesus a man's man. And that was the love of God. Unfortunately, sometimes it's hard for men to learn how to walk in love because we're not processing the same information about love uh, that Jesus did or that our wives do. Um, we don't understand love from a biblical perspective. And as Andrew was talking about last night about, you know, you overcoming your flesh, there are a lot of people that just take comfort in, in are consoling themselves in the fact that I'm just who I am. That's the way I am. Take it or leave it. Um, and we have to understand that the key ingredient to becoming a man of God is learning how to walk in love. Love is not an emotion. Love is a choice. It's a decision. But you're going to find out in the scripture 
that the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. I'll share my experience with the love of God in just a minute when we get to that part of the message. But right now, I want to establish the fact that Jesus was God in the flesh and that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Now, we are to continue in this love. Go to John 17. John chapter 17 and verse 24. I was blessed to have two loving parents that raised me correctly, even though they didn't know what you and I know today about the word. But my mother and father uh, were loving to each other. I never saw them fight or argue. I never heard uh, an unkind word. And I remember <laughs> when I was a little boy and I old enough to assimilate life and what was going on, I asked my mother one day, I said, are we poor? Because yeah, we didn't have much. And she said, no. I said, why aren't we? She said, because we have love. And I learned that from my mother. I heard all of the things in school and uh, society and culture, uh, you know, raised in the deep south back in the 40s and 50s. Um, it was a different culture. And I came home one day and I asked my mother, I said, Mama, I said, uh, I heard this and thus and so in, in school uh, about racism and so forth. And uh, I said, can you help me understand this? And she sat me down and she said, Bubba, that's what she called me. She said, Bubba, God created all men equal. There is no man that is any better than another man because of the color of his skin. God created all men equal. And that stood me in good stead all of my life. I wasn't raised with racism and prejudice because of my mother. She instilled that in me, that God loved everybody the same. So we're to continue in this, but it's hard to do in the flesh, in the natural. You have to walk in the spirit to walk in the love of God. And you have to walk in the love of God to be able to walk in the Spirit. John 17, verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and have these, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Listen to this again. That the love wherewith thou hast loved me the love that God had for Jesus, he said, I want that same love to be revealed in them. Now, John 15, verse 9. Let's flip back over there. As the Father hath loved me, Jesus said, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. Love is not an option. Love is a commandment. Love is a requirement, but how do we walk in this love? How 
I, I like to say it this way. What have we done with love? What have you done with love? You have it. It's on the inside of you. But it's like faith. You have to develop. You have to learn to walk in love. Uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin helped me in this when he shared one time about how God helped him learn how to walk in love towards his wife. How many of you in here have wives? Wow. How many of you do not have a wife? Okay, so most of you are married. How many of you want to have a wife? How many of you don't want to have a wife? One hand, one honest soul back there. <clears throat> well, Paul said it's better that you marry than burn, but um, he said if you decide uh, to remain single, you can give all of your life and time to the Lord. Uh, so that's, that's a good thing. He that has a, has a good wife has a good thing. He that has not a good wife has a thing. So... <laughs> <laughs> but Brother Hagen used to share about how he learned to walk in love uh, with his wife, Aretha. Now, Brother Hagen liked to cook, and he did most of the cooking. I like to cook, and I do most of the cooking in our house. And he said the Lord helped him while he was cooking breakfast. And he said he was preparing the eggs. And he said, if I would mess up one of the eggs... He said, I would take that egg myself and I would give my wife the good egg. Amen. Now that is so simple and so basic, but you take it and you expand it. And so I started practicing that. Uh, I, I would, if I would mess something up, I would give my wife the good one, the perfect one, the bigger one, the uh, prettier one. If I was cutting a cantaloupe or a papaya or something, preparing it for the breakfast table. If I mess one of them up, I would always make sure that she got the prettiest one. And I learned through that example of how to exercise the love of God. Uh, I, I watched a lot of young men in our church and our ministry grow up. I had one young man. He came on our campus <laughs> driving a pickup truck with a four by eight sheet of, fly, of plywood attached vertically in his, the bed of the pickup. And he had in big letters written, Jesus is Lord. And you could see, read it from both sides. He had it painted on the plywood both sides. I had people tell me, said, you need to tell him to take that out of his truck. I said, no, I'm not going to tell him to take that out of the truck. I want him to keep it in there. That young man went to work for us. He uh, worked in our um, operations department, maintenance. And uh, he was a, a, a very unique young man, uh, quiet spoken, loved God, served God. I watched him as, and he was single at the time, and I watched him as he dated different girls in the church. And one Sunday, I watched him, of course, he parked in staff parking. And after church one Sunday, he took his date that he brought to church out to the truck and he walked around his side got in she had to walk around her side and get in so I told him the next day I said John I said you need to open the door for your date you need to take her to her side and open the door and assist her he said oh okay 
See, some men don't know. Matt Gober, a powerful minister, had boys' homes in Alabama and different places. Mac and I uh, became friends. And Mac, in his book, Unchained, wrote about how he was an animal. Uh, he used to drag his mother around by her hair. I mean, this, this man was, uh, he killed people. I mean, he was an uh, ex-Navy uh, Vietnam vet, and he became an outlaw biker. He had a beard down to here. Uh, critters lived in his beard. And, he never bathed, and he said, I figured everybody needed a home, and so he just left them, you know, an animal-type guy. And that's the way some men are raised. They don't know any better. They have to be taught. If, they, if, they aren't, if, if love is not modeled in the home, they have no way of understanding how to walk in love, how to treat uh, people. And fortunately, I did have that in the home, but when I got saved— the love of God was shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. And the love of God became the, the, the predominant force in my life. I totally changed. I loved people from a different perspective. I saw people from a different perspective. So I ministered that to John and he, uh, he received it and he became one of our best workers. One day he walked into my office and he said, Pastor, he said, uh, I feel like the Lord is telling me to run for public office. He said the Republican Party, he had met some people and attended a few lunches. He said the Republican Party has asked me if I would consider running for state land commissioner. I thought, wow, state land commissioner? He ran and won. And this last uh, election, midterm election, he was reelected for another four years. So he is the state land commissioner for the state of Arkansas. He came from a pickup truck with a Jesus is Lord sign in the back. He married a young girl. They live happily ever after. And I, when I go to the Capitol, I go up to see the state land commissioner. And I said, John, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great, Pastor. He said, Everything I'm implementing in my office, he said, I learned at church. Amen. That, that is a, a, a testimony of the love of God. He learned about the love of God. He learned how to treat people. And he's doing a great job, by the way. So we are to continue in this love. Go to John 14, 21. John 14, 21, 23. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now, we all want Jesus to manifest himself to us. And here he says the key to this is walking in the love of God. I will manifest myself to you when you walk in the love of God. I was, we, we traveled for many years. I really enjoyed some good fellowship with Brother Dave and his wife Christy this morning. Uh, and we were talking about some of our um, upbringings and travelings and, and so forth before we all got saved. But I remember right after I'd gotten saved, my wife and son and I, we traveled and just sang mostly. And we were driving down South Louisiana and uh, 
we went past this little restaurant and they'd written with shoe polish or whatever it was on the window, fresh chicken and sausage gumbo. Bam, I put on the brakes, put it in reverse, back we went. Went into that restaurant, had some of the best gumbo. And the waitress that waited on us, you could tell she was a scarred, hurt lady. Dark circles under her eyes, even physical scars on her face. And when she waited on us, all of a sudden, the love of God rose up out of me toward her and said, when you go to the cash register to pay your bill, I want you to tell this lady that I still love her. So I said, okay, Lord, I will. We got through it, went to the cash register. And I told her, I said, ma'am, I said, the Lord spoke to me and said to tell you that he still loves you. She just looked at me and just broke and began to cry and began to weep and shared with us the, the hurt and the hard life and everything that she had had and how that blessed her so much that that was such a confirmation. See, the love of God is a spiritual force. It's the person of God himself. And learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and always give place to the love of God because it will always uh, bless and minister to people. Walking in the love of God perfects us. Go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And let's look at verse 43. Matthew 5, 43. Jesus said, you've heard that it's been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Now the message this morning is, what have you done with love? What reward do you get if you just love those that love you? What reward have you? Do not even the Republicans the same? I mean, publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now, real quickly, flip over to 1 Corinthians 13. I thought, I thought Andrew was going to preach my entire message last night when he got over into 1 Corinthians 13. But look at 1 Corinthians 13, 10. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child, but thought as a child. But when I became a man, a man of God, I put away childish things. For now we see through glass darkly, but then when that which is perfect is come, then face to face, now I know in part, but then, when that which is perfect has come, shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these 
is love. Now back to Matthew 5, 48. Be therefore perfect, perfected in love. When that which is perfect, when perfected love comes, you will be perfect even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Go over to 1 John 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, Whosoever therefore shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. God doesn't have love. He is love. And he that dwelleth in love, lives in love, dwells in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect. Our love that is shed abroad in our hearts, the love of God that's shed abroad in our hearts is perfected. And that's what we should all desire, is we should all desire to be perfected in the love of God. And then he goes on to verse 18, says, there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. In 1988, my wife and I were driving down a main boulevard in Little Rock. Our car just quit. We found out later it was one of the first models that they had put a computer chip in, and the computer chip just failed, shut the whole car down. We didn't know what was wrong. I, bent, I looked in the rearview mirror to see you know, if there's any cars behind me, there weren't at the time. So I reached down to find the flashers. The flashers were underneath the steering column, which now they've since put them up where you can see them. And I, I was getting ready to pull the flashers on, and all of a sudden, wham, a big old tire truck came out of nowhere. A witness said that the driver was not paying attention and hit car from the rear, knocked it 38 feet, knocked our shoes off, our feet were on the dash, knocked my watch off my arm, broke the seats, our, our heads were in the back seat. The car took the brunt of the uh, impact. It crushed it like an accordion. When we came to, my wife said, what just happened? I said, I think we were hit from the rear. Oh, she said, my back. Later, we found out in the, in the um, emergency room, the x-rayer, her back was broken in three places. She had glass all in her hair. Um, I had a a dislocated shoulder, but that's all that had happened to me. Took her to the emergency room. The x-rayer, the doctor came in and said, uh, Mr. Caldwell, we need to do surgery. 
and we need to put three rods in your wife's back to strengthen the column. The size, it was actually the size of an ink pen, three of them. And um, so Jeannie was coherent. I mean, she was in pain, but she heard what the doctor said and she said, no, I do not want surgery. Uh, the doctor took me down, let me see the x-ray. So I went back to Jeannie and I said, now honey, I'm gonna stand with you wherever you are. I said, but I wanna make sure, they, they thought she was in shock. I said, I wanna make sure you know what you're saying. She said, I know full well what I'm saying. I'm not paralyzed now and I don't want them cutting on my back. She said, God loves me and I love him and he will heal my back. Now, I said, then that's where we're gonna stand. I called all my friends and told them what had happened. I said, we need your prayer. It's amazing how different ministries with different anointings pray according to their anointing. I called uh, Brother Copeland, Brother Hagin, different ones, and they all prayed. Brother Hagin just said, I agree with you according to Matthew 18. I, whatever you ask, you know, it's a prayer of agreement. Brother Copeland, the same thing. Brother Schambach. <laughs> now I'm talking to him on the phone. Lord reached down with that nail scarred hand and he prayed according to the evangelist's anointing. <laughs> Oral Roberts. What's this I hear that's happened to Jeannie? I told him. All of a sudden, he goes into the spirit. He says, happy, I, I, I want to pray in the spirit. So he started praying in tongues. I put the phone up. Jeannie's laying in the hospital bed. Put the phone up to her ear so she could hear it and be edified. Then he starts talking. She looked at me. She said, he wants to talk to you. He said, happy, Evelyn is right here with me. I have my hand on her back. Now, the doctors had told her not to even raise her head. She could sever her spinal cord. I have my hand under Evelyn's back. He said, stick your hand under Jeannie's back. I stuck my hand under Jeannie's back. I felt bones moving. She said after that prayer, she never had any more pain. She was getting pain shots every three hours. Okay, then Oral says, tell her to raise her head off the pillow. Now that was in direct opposition from what the doctor had said. The nurse is up against the wall like this. She's witnessing and hearing all of this. <laughs> now, here's what I said. Honey, Oral said. <laughs> she raised her head off the pillow. Now, you got to give her credit because she's the one walking in faith. She raised her head off the pillow. Then Oral said, tell her to sit up. She sat up. I, I, every time I said, oral said. So she sat up. He said, then tell her to swing her legs over to the side of the bed. She did. Then he said, tell her to stand up. I said, honey, oral said, stand up. She stood up. I thought, surely he's through. No. He said, now tell her to bring each leg up like this. And she did that. And I tell you what, when she did that, then he said, now tell her to get back in the bed and not to get back into her mind, 
but to stay in the spirit. Long story short, not only did she not have any more pain, she did not have the surgery. And God told her exactly what to do. And she was totally healed. Now, the key to this whole thing was her statement about the love of God. She said, God loves me, and I love God, and He is my healer. Amen. Amen. Now, remember the scripture in Matthew 5 where it said, love your enemies? That's not easy. When we first started the ministry, we were going to do our first record album. And we had two businessmen in our church at that time that agreed to put up $2,500. We could do the whole recording session and a thousand albums for $2,500. But they wanted us to sign a contract for 10 years that we would pay the royalties off the record sales to them. Well, like an idiot, I signed it. And my wife protested. She signed it under protest. She said, this is not God. This is not right. But, you know, men always know. (laughs) Well, after a year or two in the contract, we realized they weren't going to do anything they said they would do. And I'm paying them royalties every quarter. I went to the Lord and I said, this is not right. He said, you're right. It's not right. But that was your choice. You'd, You'd made this decision. And I got to where I resented writing them out their royalty checks. Got so bad that, man, I mean, our blessing pipe was shut. No blessings coming in. And I went to the Lord and I said, Lord, what should I do? He said, you call those two men over to your house. You ask them to forgive you for resenting. And you repent to them and ask them to forgive you. So, man. So I did. Sat there in the living room, told them what the Lord said, and asked them to forgive me. And God did something in my heart. I could write out that royalty check every quarter, and the Lord told me, He said, Now you pray for those who despitefully used you. You love your enemies. He said, I want you to pray for their businesses to be blessed. Oh, Lord. You're learning how to walk in the love of God. Well, I did it. The next year, I got a letter in the mail from them saying that we have decided to release you from your contract. You no longer owe us anything. God delivered us out of that situation after we made the decision to walk in the love of God. I had a neighbor behind me that had beagle dogs. And those beagles, you know... Beagles are hunting dogs. They're, they bark all the time. And it was driving me up a wall. I'd call my neighbor, did the right thing. I called him at three o'clock in the morning. I said, your dogs have waked me up. He hung up. I went back to sleep. The phone rang. He said, are they barking now? I said, Lord, what am I going to do? I'd throw rocks at the fence to tell them to be quiet. I even thought about shooting them with a BB gun. And I just, you know, he used to turn the water hose on them. But I couldn't do any of that. The Lord said, I want you to start praying for those dogs. 
praying for these dogs. They're driving me up a wall. I can't stand it. He started praying for them. So I started praying for them. And I allowed the love of God to manifest in me in a way that I never could do before. And I want you to know, in a few months, I passed by his house and there was a for sale sign out front. He moved and took his dogs with him. The love of God is the solution to every problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. Go to Matthew 22, verse 35. Matthew 22, verse 35. And let's look at the commandment of love. Verse 35, one of them, which was a lawyer, asked Jesus a question, tempting him saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, if you go over to Ephesians, it talks about actually marriage relationships. Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church uh, and gave himself for it. And it says to the man, to the husband, it says, uh, you should love your wife like you love yourself. How many of you love yourself? Now, I'm not talking about selfishness or self-centeredness like Andrew's been presented, but how many of you, I'm not talking about being in love with yourself, but how many of you love yourself? It's okay. Now, I'm not talking about the, the, the guy whose wife said he's a legend in his own mind. I'm not talking about that. But you, you love yourself. And you're to love your wife the way you love yourself. And I think that's the reason a lot of men have problems loving their wives, because they don't love themselves properly. When you learn to love yourself, uh, you love your wife like Christ loved the church and the rest of it is, and he gave himself for it. If you're a husband, you should be giving yourself for your wife. The old Marlboro man and the John Wayne syndrome is not biblically correct. You are to give yourself for your wife. You're to walk in the love of God towards your wife. Believe, you, believe me, she, she'll know the difference. Amen. So the, the commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Galatians 5 and verse 6 tells us that love makes our faith work. For in Jesus Christ, circumcision availeth, uh, doesn't avail anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love, faith which is motivated by, completed by the love of God. And a lot of times the reason our faith doesn't work is we've taken a step out of love. And I have learned this lesson, as, as Andrew taught the first night, you make, you, you make course changes. If, if nothing's working in your life, check out your love life. If your faith's not producing, what have you done with love? You might figure out that you've taken a step out of love somewhere. You've let somebody say something or do something that's caused you uh, to take an offense, to be hurt. There's a wound there. 
It needs to be healed, repaired. You might even need deliverance to get rid of this situation. But love is required for your faith to work properly. Now let's go over to 1 Corinthians 13 and, and let's review uh, some of the passages of Scripture that Andrew read last night. I, I like to call this love's character. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love suffers long and is kind. A lot of people have suffered long, but they haven't been kind while they were suffering. Love suffers long, but love, even though it's suffering, is kind. Love envies not. Love vaunteth not itself or is not puffed up. Um, love does not behave itself unseemly. Love does not seek her own. Love is not easily provoked. Mm. Love does not think evil. Love thinks the best of every man. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. Love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love, let's say it out loud, love never fails. You will never fail if you can walk in the love of God. Uh, when we first went on the radio in 1978, um, we went on, there was just one gospel station. It wasn't even in Little Rock. It was in Jacksonville further down the road. It was a little daytimer, 1,000 watts. But it was the only Christian radio station around. And so we went on a 15-minute program. And I would tape the programs. I actually emptied out a closet and made a little studio out of the closet, lined the wall with egg cartons, used egg cartons. It had an aroma about it. <clears throat> Bought a little Radio Shack 995 mixer and had turntables and I would play our music and then I would teach for about 10 minutes. Well, there was another minister that followed me on the air who did his broadcast live from his pastor study via telephone hookup. And every time I would preach about faith or love or something like that, he would, he would be listening to me in his office because he was to come on the air live right after I finished. He would preach against everything I preached for. And he sent me a copy of his teaching. He made some critical remarks and he just slandered everything I taught and, uh, and sent me a copy of the program. And I said, Lord, what do I do about this? He said, pray for him. You know, I, in the flesh, I wanted to go on the air the next day and, you know, rebuke him or rebuttal what he said or correct it or, you know, tell my side or why I said what I said. And the Lord said, no, don't do that. He said, just pray for him. Walk in the love of God towards him because he's going to need it. Sure enough, wasn't a few months, he was off the air. You always take advantage of these opportunities to walk in love.
I was the president of a ministerial association for 12 years, and we used to have our conventions in Tulsa every year. And one morning, I was out for my morning run. At that time, it was running. This Now it's walking. And so uh, I was out for my morning walk, and I came back uh, to go in the hotel, and I saw this young minister that I knew well. Uh, a, a car pulled up. And I could tell that, and this was six o'clock in the morning, and I could tell that that was not his wife in the car that had dropped him off. And he got out of the car and zipped in the front of the hotel, six o'clock in the morning, and he looked over and he saw me and ran in the door. So I got up to my room and the, and the phone rang. He said, uh, Pastor Happy, he said, can I talk to you? I said, sure. Come on up. So he came up and he said, I, I, I think you saw me uh, getting out of the car. He said, I, I want to explain to you that was not my wife. I said, yeah, I noticed. He said, that was an old girlfriend. And he said, and we spent the night together. And he said, I just want to repent to you. Well, I appreciated that, but I don't think if I hadn't seen him, he would repent. He repent because he was caught. That was probably whew, 30 years ago. I have, and I, I could have caused all kinds of problems to him, for him, his family. He event, I found out this was a pattern for him, and he eventually, his wife divorced him. But I never said one word to anybody about it, even to this day. Many situations like that. Because the Lord said, you walk in love and you do not carry tales. You don't want to hurt somebody and you walk in love. How many of you believe that you reap what you sow? That's what the Bible says. So if you sow love, you're going to reap love, right? Brother Hagin used to tell the story when he and Aretha traveled. He pastored a couple of churches, but he traveled most of his life. And he was, in, I've forgotten the, the state he was in, but he was, in those days, you stayed in the pastor's home or a deacon's home or somewhere. You didn't, they didn't put you in hotels. And so he was in this home. And he noticed that the pastor and his wife would, uh, as soon as the service was over, they'd go home and go to bed. But they hadn't fed Brother Hagin. He hadn't had anything to eat. And so he and Sister Hagin would go to bed unfed. And he said, we'd get up the next morning, and they'd already left. So he said, we had no breakfast. He said, we got lunch at, at church after the morning meetings. But he said, at night, the same scenario every night, every morning. He said, they didn't feed us. He said, uh, we were sitting there talking about it. What should we do? Should we let somebody know this, or should we just keep our mouths shut? And the Lord said, just walk in love. Well, the next day, an elder came over, deacon came over and said, Brother Hagin said, uh, is the pastor taking good care of you? He said, oh, yeah, just fine. Everything. He said, no complaints? No complaints. Brother Hagin said, I could have called the district superintendent and got this guy in trouble. But he said, every time they ask me, you okay? Yeah, we're fine. He said, well, Brother Hagin said, we have had reports that our pastor does not take care of our guests. And he said, if you haven't been taken care of or any food, he said, I just live right across the, the alley over here. He said, you can see my back porch from his back porch. He said, and out on my back porch, I have a freezer full of food. 
He said, if you ever need anything, he said, it's always open. Just come help yourself. Brother Higgins, thank you very much. If I ever have a need, I'll, I'll, I'll surely do that. Thank you for, for asking. <laughs> the guy left. Brother Hagin told Aretha, he said, honey, I'll be right back. <laughs> he, he went over to that guy's house and got him some, you know, food and, and, and they ate. He said, I never said a word to anybody. Never did anything to get that pastor in trouble. He said, I could have. But he said, the Lord told me to walk in love. Brother Hagin was big on walking in love. He said one time, the only time he'd ever gotten sick, he was sitting on the side of the bed and he just didn't feel right. And he asked the Lord, he said, Lord, there's something not right here. He said, you're right. He said, uh, what's wrong? He said, you remember this situation? You took a step out of love. He said, I remember that. He said, I repent and ask you to forgive me. Instantly, he began to feel better. Now, let's, let's, let's close with this. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations, not for the tribulation, but in the tribulation. Uh, we know that tribulation worketh patience. Patience is not a rope with a knot tied in the end of it, just hanging on. Patience is continued, constant expectation. And patience produces experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. When I got saved, February 11, 1972, the Grand Ole Opry in Nashville, Tennessee, I got born again. I was a new creature in Christ. Uh, old things passed away, all things became new. I told my wife, I said, honey, I said, I think our, our life is getting ready to change. Little did I know how much it was going to change. I was a salesman for a wholesale liquor company at the time. God delivered me from my product instantly and delivered me from my job. My mother-in-law, my wife's mother, kept telling me about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I didn't know what that was. And every time we'd go to church with my mother-in-law, it was a Assembly of God church, and they would always give an altar call, and people wanted to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Well, I heard enough about it. I thought, well, I, 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 I desire this. So I would go down the altar call, and I'd I'd kneel down there kneeling benches and I'd pray, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost, but if it's not time, I can wait. Thank you. And I'd get up and leave. Because <laughs> I was learning, I wasn't too sure about this tongues business and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all that. And one Sunday night, the pastor preached a message. I didn't hear much of it because I was sitting back in the middle of the auditorium and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit began to deal with me. And when he gave the altar call, I was the first one up there. And there were a bunch of people that came up. Now, my wife and my mother-in-law were on this side. And there was a rather large lady, about 300 pounds, on this side. And we were all, as they said, seeking the baptism. And so I lifted up my hands. I didn't have to say a word. Whoosh. 
I mean, the Holy Ghost came on me, filled me. I began to speak in other tongues. And I began to weep and to cry. When the anointing gets on me, I cry, I weep. I just melt in a puddle. And I began to weep and cry and worship the Lord and pray in other tongues. And all of a sudden, I felt different, even different than the salvation. Uh, there had something else happened to me. The love of God had been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. And of course, I hugged my wife and mother-in-law and I, I reached over to hug this lady. I couldn't even get my arms all the way around her. And I, I hug, hugged her and told her I loved her. And I looked back and I thought, I don't even know this lady. I don't even know who she is. But see, the love of God is no respecter of persons. I have gotten a lot of criticism from Christians because I have loved and befriended people that some were not saved, some had committed sins and were in sin, but the love of God compelled me. I was praying for a man at the altar one Sunday night. This was right after I got filled with the Holy Ghost and he was an alcoholic. Well, I had been an alcoholic. I knew what that felt like. So I went down, put my arms around him and wept with him. He was weeping and crying. The love of God is not your love. It's not it's not filio, it's not eros. It's not the love that a father has for a son or a mother has for a daughter. It's not eros, the sexual erotic love. It's, it's agape, it's the love of God. And it is the key to becoming the manner of man that we are to become. And God will use you to minister to people and people will be drawn to that love because they don't know what it is. They haven't experienced that kind of love. The God kind of love supersedes all other kind of love. It'll change your marriage. It'll change your life. It'll change your relationship with friends, family. It's a, it's a, it's a, a wake up call for us as we learn to walk in the love of God. Now you have it on the inside of you. God has shed abroad the love of God in your heart by the Holy Ghost. So my question to you is what have you done with love? What are you going to do with love? And so Pastor Caldwell, I realize now that I have it and I haven't used it. Well, I want you to make a declaration today and let the Holy Spirit lead God and direct you. Start practicing on your wife. Give her the big piece of pie. Give her the perfect egg. Help her fulfill her desires. Pass that on to your children. I'll close with this. Many years ago, my son and I had a separation. He was grown and living on his own, and he was making poor decisions. And it caused he and I to have a difference of opinion. He was never rebellious. Uh, he, he's a man of God today and minister. But at this particular time in his life, he made some bad choices. And I had confronted him about it. And we kind of separated 
It hurt our fellowship. And so I was praying for him one day because he, he didn't come around anymore. And to be honest with you, it, it didn't matter. Strong feelings. But I still had the sense enough to know that I needed to pray for him. So one day I was sitting home in my recliner and I was just praying in the Holy Ghost. And I was praying for Ronnie and I said, Lord, I ask you to bless him. And all of a sudden, it was like God revealed to me how he saw him. Not how I saw him. God showed me how he saw him. He revealed to me his love for him. And all of a sudden, it, it just broke me and I began to weep and cry because I now saw my son the way God saw him. And so I ran to the phone and I called him. I said, son, are you busy right now? Can you come over here? Yes, sir. Boy, he jumped in the car. He came over there. He hit the back door. I hit this kind of like the prodigal son. I grabbed him and hugged him. He grabbed me and hugged me. And we both began to cry and weep. And I said, son, I ask you to forgive me for pushing you away. We sat and talked. He said, dad, he said, when I always equated you with God. And he said, when you pushed me away, I felt like God was pushing me away. And he said, that was more than I could bear. And so God restored that relationship. I think, and I say that's been many years ago. We've had one of the best relationships father, son could, that I've ever known about. But that whole relationship was changed because God showed me his heart, how he saw my son. And I saw him through God's eyes, through the love of God. Now I want to pray today, right now. Many of you may have relationships. It may be father-son. It may be father-daughter. It may be husband-wife. It may be mother-father. You hurts and scars and wounds. Maybe there's separation right now between you and a child or a parent. God is restoring that, healing that now by his love. Let the love of God be shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Now just lift up your hands and begin to praise God and thank him. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, I ask you now to reveal the love of God to every man in here, to their spouses, to their children, to their parents, to their friends, business associates. Heal those hurts, those divisions, those offenses. Let the love of God flow out of us. Let it make a difference. Hallelujah. Now would you stand with me please for just a moment and repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I acknowledge the love of God shed abroad in my heart 
I receive it now. Now I give you permission to help me walk in this, to correct me, to show me what to do, what not to do, what to say, what not to say. And let the love of God make me the manner of man that I'm supposed to be. Hallelujah. Praise him now. Thank you, Lord. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.